is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph and the Mage with Tino Rodriguez. We continue our dog days of summer today, previewing the Houston Texans. We got Jules Jefferson with us. Jules, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How y'all doing, fellas? Doing great, man. Um, I'm glad that I'm able to repay the favor. I was on your show sometime last year previewing the Giants and Jets. So now you are on our show previewing the Houston Texans for this upcoming season. I, I feel honored. I don't know why y'all want to talk about my Texans because Brian <laughs> is running them to the ground. But we, we, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Why don't you go ahead and give yourself a shout out. Let everybody know where they can find you. All right. Jules Jefferson, Jeff Bear 80 on Twitter. Um, I cover Texans. I cover Rockets. I cover high school football in Texas, which is number one. And I, I just love sports. That's what we do. All right. And you can go ahead and find me on Twitter at TheMage underscore NFL. You can find my co-host on Twitter, Murph at OneMurphBlue and Tino at Tino Rodriguez, double underscore at the end. Guys, say what's up. What's going on, my people? How we doing? Jules. Texas, man, Texas high school football. You know, at this point, it seems like Texas high school football might be better quality than the Houston Texans. That's how we're viewing it from New York. I'm just letting you know. Well, you, well, you know when you have eight films in the, in the last 20 years about high school football in Texas, I mean, you can't argue that point that we love a high school football. <laughs> it's, the, it's the last pure sport there is. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, eight movies. It's probably a little bit more than that at this point. But, yeah, Texas high school football is – you know, grade A one quality stuff, man. You know, for, for I think years, uh, two three years ago, we had from Texas eight starting quarterbacks in the NFL from Texas. That was that was that was a record for, for a while. No, yeah, I mean, because I so we're Jersey guys. Murph, not so much. He's a New Yorker more, but me and the Mage, we are New Jersey guys. And now, so New New Jersey high school football slept on a little bit, but you know, Florida, California, Texas, those are the three peaks of uh high school football. New Jersey's forgotten about, but. Texas can ball, man. There, there is no doubt Texas high school football can ball. I mean, y'all had Brian Cushing um, before steroids, but y'all had Brian Cushing. We got cool. some other people. We had Joe Flacco, too. Don't sleep. We got some quarterbacks over here. They're not sexy. They're not sexy, but they win Super Bowls, some of them. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what can you say? I got We got Nick Foles. No, they won, he won Super Bowl. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Yeah. Vince Young is my guy, though. That, that's a uh, University of Texas, though. I don't think he's yeah. He's uh, he's from actually he's from Houston. He, he went to Madison Square, uh, Madison High School, and he played. He was varsity for three years. He was he was a monster all through high school. So now speaking of quarterbacks, we can talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson and in essence of how Bill O'Brien's going to handle Deshaun Watson and just you said he's going to drive the organization into the ground. I'm sure you have a lot to say about DeAndre Hopkins, but. Is there still hope under Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien? Do you still feel that this team can put it together to win that division? I believe they can win the division because I don't think they're – I think the Colts don't really have enough, even though they should. I don't really believe in Phillip Rivers is going to be – going to save them. Phillip Rivers from 10 years ago, maybe. Five years ago, hmm. Last year with interceptions, nah. Tennessee still going to run the ball. If you, can, if you can get a good lead on them, you can beat them. Jags are the Jags, so there's enough talent, and the Texans are built around their first round and second round picks. Because if you look at their 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 whole starter twenty two starters, they're all first or second round picks. 
but their depth, they lack depth, and that's why they lose games to the Kansas City Chiefs, the the, the Ravens, because we don't draft well, we don't do a lot of free agency, and we don't really build our whole team up. We just want our we want first round talent because Bill O'Brien can't coach. And Deshaun Watson, I can I can tell the good and the bad. Deshaun Watson has some flaws, but he's being held back by the complicated system of Bill O'Brien because Bill O'Brien has had what nine different quarterbacks under his system and his system has yet to to flourish so I don't understand why anybody would will side with Bill O'Brien saying that he is actually a great coach and a great gym it just it just it baffles me so Jules I actually have one counter to that and I'm on your side I totally agree he has kind of come there and wrecked havoc and just torn that thing to shreds but the only positive I could find in my research today from Bill O'Brien being on the Texans staff is he has given y'all finally a little bit of an O-line to work with, right? Am I right about that? I mean, I know that had been a huge weakness for you guys for a long time. So can you say that has at least been a positive? I can say yes and no because when, when Gary Kubek left, he ran a zone offensive line. So all his, all his offensive line were quick, fast, and zone reads. So when Bill O'Brien got here, he transformed his line from a zone read to a man-on-man run down your throat. And that's why we lost Brandon Brooks. That's how we lost Brent Ben Jones. If you and we 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 supplemented them for Zach Fulton. We supplemented for Martin. So that is a weakness that he created because he wanted his system. Bottom line is when he was hired, he was hired to be a quarterback guru because the year before Gary Kubek got fired. They went twin Ford and Schaub got hurt. They wanted somebody who's going to find a quarterback because the team was set. We had J.J. White still in his prime. You had Andre Johnson still. They just drafted Hopkins. So the offense was there in the defense. They just needed a quarterback that could take him off, over the edge, and that was his job because he was Tom Brady's yell-back coach because he can he, because he yelled at Tom, at Tom Brady, and he made Chris Eckenberg this great quarterback. So he was brought on the promise – that he could find a quarterback and take that team that he that where he was given to Subo. It's a lot to unpack there, but I mean, he got you your quarterback. <laughs> well, it, it really wasn't him. It, it was more of uh, the other the other GM, the GM that that uh, Rick Smith is the one who who went to national championship game, championship series back to back years to scout this cat. So what what's the vision for him going forward? Because I think the entire NFL world is kind of scratching their head. Like, what is going on down in Houston? I mean, David Johnson and Brandon Cooks aren't bad additions after losing Hopkins, but what's the vision going forward? The vision is to get the ball fast. Okay, I love Hopkins. Hopkins' biggest weakness was he can't get separation. So when you can't get separation, you have to hold the ball a little longer for Watson. Watson is trying to find other players, and people don't realize the reason why Hopkins – was stared down by Watson is because there was no other receivers on the other side of him or a threat that can, that can alleviate the defense from covering Hopkins. So he held the ball long. And with Bill O'Brien's complicated system, if you don't have the reps, if you don't have the playbook and, you, and you're always injured, the only person he can, he can go to, he can rely on, on time patterns was um, Hopkins. I mean, no one, no one can answer me, who was the who, who was the receiver on the other side of Hopkins for 16 games straight that Watson can rely on other than Hop? You bring up a good point, but 
you replace Hopkins with Brendan Cooks, who has had a phenomenal career so far. He's gone over 1,000 yards, I believe, the last three seasons. So he does bring that. But then now you started with that playoff game. And then last year, you have issues about his concussions. And then also you talk about wide receiver opposite DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller hasn't been able to play a full season. You're going in with Brandon Cooks, who right now a lot of people are worried about because of the health issues. You have Will Fuller, who has yet to play a full season. And then you also signed Randall Cobb. And then you still have Kenny Stills there. So did this wide receiving core really improve all that much? Of course, no, it, it didn't. You have, a, you, have, you have more question marks than you had before the trade than after the trade. You, you, you replace a guy who missed two games in his whole NFL career, and you replace him with guys that the David Johnsons, the Randall Cobbs, and I, people ask me all the time, Randall Cobb, he feels like he's been in the league for 15 years, but he hasn't. He feels like he's, he feel like he's an old receiver, but he's still pretty young. But he's, he battled injuries, and he came to the league pretty late. So I'm saying Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, who – what's Randall Cobb? The one from Green Bay? And it feels like he's been in Green Bay for 15 years, but he really wasn't. And he had one year in Dallas that he did, he did decently, but not for $9 million a year. You could get him under Hopkins. And then, and then you add that with Cooks, who Cooks is a hit and miss because he, he actually got replaced by the, by the receivers in, in – uh, in LA, so how how great of an option is he really when he when he was replaced because he was supposed to be the guy, he was the guy that 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 Super Bowl series for the Rams, but all of a sudden the year after that he he came the third option behind Robert Woods of all people Robert Woods. They traded around picks for you and gave you big money and you get replaced by Robert Woods, that's crazy to me. I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't know what Bill O'Brien is thinking. I just know that we've been force-fed to say that he wants the offense to be fast, which I think he's just mimicking the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Here's ultimately my question, though. So you're you're talking about how the offense is going to play fast, and obviously there's a big change in D Hop, who's not going to be there anymore. And of course, you had Watson, but that's been a focal point of the Texans' offense, even without Watson. You know, that's mm-hmm. been the offense. So now do you automatically turn towards David Johnson to play this fast offense? Are you going to run the ball to be fast with David Johnson? Are they going to throw passes to David Johnson? I mean, DJ in himself is a completely other piece that along with Randall Cobb and Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks has question marks. Last year, he didn't really do a whole lot. So are you just confidently putting the ball in David Johnson's hands and saying, go ahead, you're our offense now? The fans are not, but I, we Bill, Bill O'Brien thinks that he can run the ball 15 times and give the other 15 times or 10 times to um, Duke Johnson. Between Johnson between Johnson. those two, yeah, between those two, they should be a, a number one back. And I guess his offensive mindset is I can put either one in and you still have to respect that either one can go out for a pass. And so you have to mandate at least a player or a spy on him. That gives him his offensive receivers – a little more time not to be double covered or triple covered in his zone. So they're a threat to catch a ball any, at any time. So that's why I think that the, the David Johnson and the Duke Johnson thing is what he's going for. But don't you think that'll make your offense a little more lateral? I mean, then downhill, I just feel like if you're going to try to run the Chiefs offense, like you're saying, if that's what Bill O'Brien's selling you on. And I, I mean, I hear you out. I don't think you're really buying in on it at all. I mean, I get what not you're at saying. All. It, it doesn't at seem all. like it's going to make much sense either. And so the, 
that's why I'm just walking through this with you. It's just odd to me that you'll get pass catching running backs that are going to get the ball behind the line of scrimmage. You don't really have receivers that are going to naturally create separation themselves to get downfield. It just doesn't seem like this offense could be fast. I just don't know if it's going to really move the chain. Yeah, I think Bill O'Brien is really going going out of his comfort zone as the quarterback that he really wants and the offense he really wants. And he's trying to match his offensive system to Deshaun Watson's talent. And I just don't think they'll mix. Is there anything in the tight end room to be excited for? I mean, gosh, there's so much, so many different options there last year. I know Phil's caught a bunch of red zone targets, but I think he had like 10 balls for 12 targets or something. Well, we did, we did get Kyrie Waring in the third round last year, and he's, he's supposed to project to be a Gronk type, but, but his blocking and he got concussions last year, he played water polo. So, I mean, how much can this cat really take football? Cause he played water polo and his first training camp here, he gets a hit, he gets headache and he can he get a red surf season. We don't really know what we have in him, but he's personally projected as the, a, a deep threat, a mid-round threat, a grunk type to really get the offense flowing that that gets that gets safeties to ease off the, the receivers and running backs out the field. So we already know Dem Fields is going to be a starter just because he he's comfortable with Watson. He's a great blocker. So if they want to keep one of the running backs in and keep Fields on it and keep one receivers, at least they, they add another blocker to this, to this very improved offensive line. So we always try to tie in fantasy football into all this and – the enigma happens to be Houston's offense. So Brandon Cooks is going a little late. He's going kind of in the middle rounds of dynasty drafts. Will Fuller as well. Uh, David Johnson is usually that top-tier running back taken off the board last. He's going anywhere between the 10th and probably 7th round or so. Should we be buying any of these guys in fantasy? What do you think their outlook is or projection-wise? I know we talked about the X's and O's. Well, you know, when it comes to fantasy, it's not it's not who's the best player. It's about who gets the most points. And Jamison proved last year he's not the best quarterback, but he got you the most points when, when at eight games down, down, down the stretch. So I can see this team being behind a lot because our defense is not that great. And we didn't really – we didn't really add any point, any playmakers to the defense, so our offense is going to be a stretch. So we might be on the we might be on the offense a lot. So playing from behind, trying to play catch up, trying to score with the Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, all that stuff. So if you're looking for the best player to be on your fantasy football team, you know, nobody on Texas. Or you're looking for an offense that may be on the field that going to get you yards and more touchdowns because they're going to be playing catch up and it's fast paced offense. I, I would I would I would take one earlier than than I usually would, but with Fuller. You don't know if you're gonna get 16 games out of Fuller, so you got to kind of that, got to dash him every now and then, get him at third or fourth round, and see if he can he stay there. And if he gets healthy, you play him in. When he, when he, when that injury report comes out that Saturday morning, Sunday morning, that he he may be having a, a hamstring, you got to pull him because he's a hit he's a hit and miss player, and that's the probably the best player for fantasy on the second team. I actually actually would drive higher than fourth. Fuller for me always came off as a wide receiver that could be a potential wide receiver one on a team. He mm-hmm. had the ability to go up, get a lot of contested catches. We've seen him make some great catches. It's just his lack of ability that's kind of limited his ceiling. So who do you think is probably the wide receiver one on this team, Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller? It's Will Fuller's to lose. This Bill O'Brien recruiter's cat in high school, he made sure he got him. Uh, when everybody said get somebody else, he wanted Fuller. He he traded Hopkins knowing he had Fuller because Fuller 
it, it's doing a, a special kind of uh, health, trying to get his hamstring clear. They gave him his um, his fifth year option real early. It's 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 fullest spot to lose if he wants. If he's healthy, they're gonna pay him. I refuse to pay him. I don't think you should pay him a big contract. I think you should franchise tag him. But if he has, if he can play ten games, we would love that. So Fuller's BMP's guy. I didn't know oh, he was yeah. attached to him like that. Yeah, because like I say, he he tried to he he tried to draft him to to Penn State when he was the coach of Penn State. But, and I'm glad that we had you on, Jules, because I think everybody, well, myself included, I know I see Murph not in his head, but I think all going into the season, I think we would have probably projected Brendan Cooks as the top wideout on this team. I mean, I'm glad that we did this Dog Days of Summer because that's really interesting information to see how much Bill O'Brien is really invested in Will Fuller. I'm going to delay this episode as long as I can so I can try and pick up Will Fuller <laughs> instead of Brandon Cooks. I thought Brandon Cooks would be the guy to own. Like I mentioned, his previous four seasons, he broke 1,000 yards receiving. I know you talked about the downfall last year with the Rams, but, man, I, I, I kind of like what I'm hearing a little bit out of uh, you with Will Fuller here, though. Well, you know, most people see Will Fuller as a deep threat. And when he first, when we got first drafted, his biggest problem was his, his, tree, his route tree and his his hands because he's a body catcher. Now, if the last four years he's he's still a deep threat, that speed, he is actually a great route runner because he learned that from Hopkins. And as much as I dislike Bill O'Brien, there's no way Bill O'Brien in his right mind would have traded Hopkins and not known that he had Wolf Full on, on his number one receiver. And because there's no guarantee he could got Cooks, so he had to have faith in in, in Wolf Fuller. And and if, if you check and as great as Hopkins is for the Texans, Fuller makes that offense that much better. When when Fuller's when Fuller's healthy, the offense looks a uh, hundred times better. When he's not there, and and there's a, there's Kenny Stills in that spot, some some Vincent Smith off off the practice squad, and you have Hopkins, it, it, the offense don't look good. I mean, if if you take the last eight games of last year, they were horrible offensively. And guess guess who was missing? Fuller, Fuller stirs that cup, and as great as Watson is, if he has when he has Fuller, they have a connection that's almost better than him and Hopkins. So now you talk about the offense looking good. Last mm-hmm. time we saw the Texans' offense out there, I mean they looked really good to start. You guys are up twenty-four nothing. Obviously, it was the Kansas City Chiefs who will. Tino, do- Tino, Tino, why why do you have to? You know that the guy's still hurt. I just no no no. I'm, I am that fan. When I watched the game at Top Golf with a couple of beers, I was like, no, no, this, 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 this is not a real. Did it happen not as fast as it happened to me? I mean, that was in seconds. Like, to me, it happened so fast, I didn't even realize the Texans had the lead, honestly. Like, I was like, wait a second. Weren't they up three touchdowns? It happened in a matter of minutes. As a Texans fan, sometimes those minutes seem like hours or days. Was it just – was it a quick – you know, quick stab, or was it just painful? Was it in there for a bit? Did the dagger hurt a little bit? I mean, as a fan, fan, it was very painful to watch. As a football, as a football guy who loves football more on his own team, you knew what was going to happen because if you if you watch that first quarter, most of the Texans' points came off of Kansas City's mistakes: block punt, the muff punt, the interception. But once Kansas City started rolling. We couldn't answer. They couldn't hold the ball. They, the defense was on the field, what, 75 minutes? 
We were going, they was going, Watson, his offense, this high power offense that Bill O'Brien wanted, was going three and out through the whole second half. They scored it one, they scored one touchdown in the, in what, in the last 33 quarters. So once Kansas City, and, 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 and you, and there's a, there's a, there's a clip of Pat Mahomes on the sideline saying, hey, we got this. Don't worry about this. We, we ready. We, we, we've been here before. And what he did, he ran shot the Texas defense. Hobson, Hopkins, Watson, and Bill O'Brien had no answer on the offense side, and they just couldn't do anything. Everybody want to blame the defense for this hor- hor- horrific letdown, but the offense gets just as much as a blame because they had no answer for, 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 the, for, the, for the Kansas City touchdowns. And I tell, I, I tell Texas fans all the time, every time Kansas City score, what happens? So going into this season, you know, what, what's going to be different with the defense? Because I look at this defense and it's, it's kind of the same thing on the offense. It's dwindling down by the years. You got J.J., Whitney, Cunningham's obviously your, your leader on defense, and you're just shot at corners. A bunch of dudes that are like Garyon Conley and Vernon Hargraves who were just guys that just didn't make it when they came out of the draft. So what's, what's going on with them going forward on defense? Uh, this is going to be J.J. Watt's show again. They refused to cut him or ask him to restructure his contract. And people don't realize he's missed 32 games in four years. And yet he's still the highest paid player on the Texas team. And they have never ever asked J.J. for restructuring. Let me ask you, though, do you think that's fair because of what J.J. Watt brings to the Houston area and what he brings to the Houston Texans? Because some players get paid based on their value to the team not necessarily for what have you done for me lately. Do you think that's the case with J.J. Watt? Oh, that's 100% because all, all we know J.J. Watt in the last four years is not as a play as, as Hurricane Harvey. You don't, you don't even say, oh, last year J.J. Watt had this, or J.J. Watt was a menace, or J.J. did this last couple of seasons. When you say J.J., there's two things that you say. Three-time uh, defensive player of the year, Hur- Hurricane Harvey. That's the only thing you, you hear from J.J. Watt. So yes, his his past glories have dictated him being on the field. But to be fair to the t- other twenty-one guys on the field, he is no longer the best player on his team, and he should not be paid like anymore. I know it's harsh. I know it's 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 it's, it's a team game. Is and it's as as his he's gotten paid the last four years for being on the bench for being hurt. How long are you gonna keep holding your defense back? for not doing something to J.J. Because, look, they could have had Clowney. They could have kept Clowney and cut J.J. And I know the Texas fans will be mad, but you get another four or five years out of Clowney at his level than you get at Watt at his level. And, and as far as team one need defense, you need, a, you need the best defense player you can. And that's, that was Clowney. And, and the way the defense is, is formed, the, the defense, they want to play a 3-4. And the most 3-4 defenses, your defensive tackles – in a, in a three-down lineman, they're your run stoppers and inside of pressure. J.J. Watt, with the God-given talent he had and the work ethic, he made them change that defense into a hybrid 3-4 defense. But now, with the injuries, his age, he can't come around the outside like he used to. He's not that fast, and he, and he was technically sound and had more, had more passion for the game. But the time, time, doesn't, time wins all time, and he refuses to go inside. So your outside linebackers who are supposed to be your primary rushing ends, they can't do their jobs because J.J. Watt don't want to go inside. He, don't, he, he, he still thinks he's old J.J., and that's why this whole, the whole defense is not built correctly. 
and and they, they drafted uh, Gennard from Florida. I mean, uh, uh, Gennard from Florida, and he's not as fast as Clowney was, but he, he he can get the pass rusher. So you have two semi speed outside rushers with Whitney, who's been in the league for what ten years. He's he's a six guy. He's a he's a six average guy, sack guy. And he he got a, a nice huge contract, which we don't understand that because he's never been dyma- dynamic. He's not a playmaker. He's a playmaker when Watts on the field. He was a playmaker when Clown is on the field. But when he's asked to be the number one, he can't do it. He can't win on one on ones. So we don't understand why he got why he got the big contract, but because he was Bill O'Brien's type of guy, stand up guy, Texas guy. He practiced hard Monday through Saturdays. He got the big contract, and if you if you if you really look at the guys who got contracts from from Bill O'Brien, they're they they practice hard guys. They don't they 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 work ethic is great. They might not perform great on Saturday, Sundays, but month through Saturdays, they 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 there. Jules, I got to give you credit, man. This interview has been exactly what we have been looking for for these dog days of summer series, like. We wanted to learn about what the real fan perspective is. And I can't – I got to give you hats off. I think it, this is one of the best interviews we've done for sure. I've yeah, learned a lot about the Texans that I didn't. And you really gave that true, authentic feel. So, I thank you for that. No I don't problem. even want to cut you off. I want to keep going all day on this because you got it all up there. But we're going to head over to our, our segment where we do our win and loss. Uh, you know, after this, this episode, I'm not sure how this is going to go. We've had everybody uh, – pretty much pick kind of over the wins columns that we've thought, but uh, I think we're going to get the real feel for this one. So I'm going to turn it over to Mesh. All right, Jules, are you ready to give us your predictions? For, for, for my Texans? For your Texans. Okay, I'm ready. All right, let's go. So week one, Thursday night, primetime, open up at the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City win 45-20. All right. Hey, if you want to give us the scores for all of them, you're more than welcome to. You don't have to, though. So that's all right. No, that's okay. Hey, if you want to, that's fine. Week two, home versus the Baltimore Ravens. Texans win. Uh, that score I can't really give you because I don't really <laughs> – I, I think that Ravens team under Lamar Jackson, once you got good film on them, they may slow it down. So I don't think they're going to run – they're not going to blow us out like they did last year. But I think they can slow them down. I think they're going to actually can compete with them because they've shown if you can get ahead of the Ravens, you can beat the Ravens. All right. Week three at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh, that's a hard one because I don't know how Big Ben is going to – how he's going to act. The bell is not there. Brown is still not there. Juju hasn't really shown that he can be a number one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with my Texas on that one. And that's, that's a hard one because I just don't know Big Ben. I don't know what the offense is going to be. Fair enough. Week four, home versus the Minnesota Vikings. I'll, I'll go with Texans. All right. Week five. I, I, I have no faith in Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Week five, home versus the Jacksonville Jaguars and Minshew Mania. I'm a surprise you. I'll go Jags. All right. What do, you, what do you think about Jacksonville this year? You think that he put it together or is just one of those wacky games that the Texans lose? That that's exactly right because they they never <laughs> they never play up to their talent. They always play down. If you like the last two games, the first game last year it, it was what thirteen seven or nineteen seventeen, and, and there was no reason for them to even be in the same stadium with the with the Jacks. But they played down to their talent, 
and it didn't make no sense. Yeah, a lot of teams do at times. I know the Giants are guilty of that also. Yeah. Week six at Tennessee Titans. I, I go with Texans. Texans. All right. Mm-hmm. Week seven, home versus the Green Bay Packers. Oh, Aaron Rodgers may be replaced because they, they got Jordan Love and that whole dynamic. You think he gets replaced this season, though? I mean, if he get hurt, he's gone. I mean, if he get hurt, he's he's out. He's not coming back if he get hurt. And he's been hurt, what, every year this the last couple of years, even if it's nagging injuries? He's not far off, Mace. Could be AR's time in, in Packer yeah. land. I got to pick up Jordan Lovin, my fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Texans again just because the, the uncertainty with the Green Bay and the whole Brent Favre, Aaron Rodgers thing again. It just, it just, it just, it just, it just, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you, you, you had a great team or a very good team and all you needed was a receiver or a dynamic playmaker on the offense or defense side, and you go with a quarterback. It, just, it, it didn't make any sense. I just think the whole the whole GM, coaching, or Aaron Rodgers, I think it's a hot mess. That's a fair point. Week eight, bye, right in the middle of the season. Week nine at Jacksonville. That's a win. All right. Week 10 at the Odell Beckham-led Cleveland Browns. Hmm. I'm going to say that's, that's a win. I, I don't have no faith in Baker Mayfield either. Okay. Week 11, home versus the Cam Newton-led New England Patriots. That's still uh, kind of funny to say, but we're getting there. Well, you know, when Jacob Brissett was was played at Texans three or four years ago, they they uh, blow, blew out the Texans. I'm going to go with New England again. All right. So, week 12, Thanksgiving at Detroit. Texas. I'm not, I'm not even going to play. <laughs> Week 13, home versus the Indianapolis Colts. Texans. All right. Week 14 at the Chicago Bears. Loss. Texas loss. All right. Week 15 at the Indianapolis Colts. That's another loss. All right. Week 16, home versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, Marinia? Uh, I don't, I'm I'm not I'm not really sold on Joe either, so I'm gonna say Texans. Okay, and to finish out the season, Week 17, home versus the Tennessee Titans. That's a win. All right, Mr. Murph, what do we have the Houston Texans finishing at? A lot higher than I expected, honestly. Eleven and five. Wow. Eleven and five. How do you feel about that, Jules? It's a little high. I I don't <laughs> think they're actually gonna get that kind of wins. I think. I think they're going to blow some games that they shouldn't blow. Like, if you look at the Denver game last year, the Carolina game last year, the Jacksonville last game, you just don't know what, what you have in this, this team. And, and, it, and like, they, they should have lost that Buffalo game against uh, in the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs. They should have lost that game. So, you just I just don't know this offense. I don't know. the I can't tell you the identity, the identity of this team. Is it a pass-happy team? Is it a run-stopping team? Is it a Bill O'Brien team? Is it a Sean Washington team? I just can't tell you. It, it, it just don't make any sense. And my last point with the whole Bill O'Brien issue is this guy paid a backup safety for Cleveland $20 million to be your starter. He has maybe played or started five or six games in the last three or four years, and you pay him starter money because you think you see something in him that no one else sees. And that's what we live in with Bill O'Brien. 
No one can get in Bill O'Brien's head. No one knows what he's thinking. He believes that he is the smartest person in the world, and he believes he can outcoach anybody, and he has shown he can't outcoach anybody. And I don't, as much as I dislike Bill O'Brien, I don't like the owner more than I like Bill O'Brien because there's no way you see this man ruin your franchise and you don't stand into him. Yeah, well, there's a lot of coaches that believe that. I mean, Adam Gase here in New York is another one that thinks that, you know, he can turn water into wine. So I think it's difficult for any type of franchise when you get a head coach that is that set on their system. We saw it also, too, in Philadelphia with Chip Kelly. You know, Mm -hmm. got rid of all his stars, wanted them to play his way, wanted them to play fast, up-tempo. It only works for so long. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I I think I probably speak for most of us here. I think we're still surprised that Bill Bryan even has a job. Jules, I really appreciate you doing this. This was, I mean, honestly, really informed. We learned a lot today about the Houston Texans. So why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you again? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Jeff Bear 80 um, I do articles here and there. I do um, coverage here and there. I'm not back like I used to be on, on a sports talk because it kind of failed, but I still cover the Texas as much as I possible can. I give my un, un, undivided opinion. I don't I don't weigh on one side. I'm more of a football player, a football fan more than I'm a team fan. So I love the football game, football. So you can always hear the real from me when it comes to all sports and all, all NFL. All right, staying in the AFC South, we are now transferring over to the Indianapolis Colts. With us today, covering the Colts, we have Colts fan Chris. Chris, what's going on? How's it going, fellas? Happy to be here with y'all today, finally. A little bit of a delay, but we got it, got it going. Absolutely, man. Before we get started, this is your moment to shine. So if you want to tell people where they can find you. Y'all can follow me on Twitter at cschwer90. That's C S is in Sam C H W I E R nine zero. Um, I'm a big Colts fan, big Pacers fan, and uh, Clemson football as well. And I don't always keep the sports, but I try to I try to keep politics out of it. But um, you know, you can you can follow me if you want some sports updates, or if you're just an Indiana guy, or even if you're not an Indiana guy. Um, it's uh, usually pretty good content, so that's where you can find me. Yeah, absolutely, dude. That's why I was so adamant of having you on. You definitely, uh, you know your shit when it comes to sports. All, all, uh, all three: basketball, football. You don't like baseball, do you? Actually, I'm not a baseball guy. Clemson. I- that's what I'm always picking your brain on with ACC football. I'm not really a baseball guy because we don't have a professional team around here, so it's hard. You know, every, everybody's a Cubs fan or pretends they're a Cubs fan, and. You know, we don't have hockey either. I, I like the Blackhawks when I do follow hockey. I don't know a ton about it, but playoffs I'll watch. Drink a couple cold ones and watch some playoff hockey. I'm always down for that. So now we're going to talk Colts. We're not going to talk hockey because I also know nothing about hockey. <laughs> but we can talk Colts. Phillip Rivers, what do you expect out of him in his first year with you guys? Are you optimistic or do you think the wheels are going to fall off? You know, it really lies on Philip Rivers and how he uh, how he comes out the gate. They said he's a uh, he's made a big transformation as far as his body and uh, his diet has had to change quite a bit. It's not really the uh, off season that he's used to having, but I think if he's uh, if he's lost a couple pounds and he can you know if he can be under the interception rating that he had last, year, he threw way too many. Pay- I mean, that's just that's who he is at this point. He'll throw some interceptions, but 
I think he uh, he fits Frank Wright's offense really well. It's a quick get the ball out of your hand type of an offense. And now we draft Jonathan Taylor. He's going to be he's not a great out of the backfield catcher, but I think we can we can make, if we can keep the fumbles down with him too. I think he's going to have a pretty productive year. And Marlon Mack, of course. Don't you think that Phillip kind of is the quarterback that this team needed in the period that you're at? Stable offensive line. You draft a stud running back in Taylor to mix with that backfield of Mack and Hines. And so Hines will probably be the pass catcher. And so will Mack. But, you know, a veteran guy like him is an upgrade from what you had last year. Not dramatically, but an upgrade. And I just feel, yeah, he fits the offense well. But I also think he's kind of the guy that you guys need. You're in a position, not necessarily that you have to win now, but I think that you have enough talent defensively and offensively that, you know, Phillip could be the guy who finally finds success on a team like the Colts. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was a little sketchy on him at first. I, I didn't love it. Um, I, I wasn't a huge anti-Jacoby Brissett guy. Yeah, he, he had his moments here and there. I thought he was solid, but he wasn't going to get us to the promised land. He, was, you know, he wasn't going to be the future. He was just kind of a bridge gap guy. Um, We'll we'll see. I, I'm I still got to see it first. You know, I got to see it. He does have some weapons now, though. I mean, he, he's got Ty, of course. He now he's going to start on the pup because this hamstring thing that he's had going on for a while it's been lingering. But you know, granted, uh, as as long as we can keep him on the field, now you get Michael Pittman. He's a six four guy. He can go up and get it, kind of like what he had with Vincent Jackson a few years back when he was in San Diego. Um, so that'll help. He's got two two nice targets at the tight end position. Jack Doyle, who I don't love, but he's he's got good hands. So you know he can block a little bit. You get Trey Burton, which you know whatever. He's not nothing too crazy. But I think the offense is going to be in a pretty good position to be uh, a little better than they were last year. Like I said, if he can keep the interceptions down, he's going to throw for some yards. I mean, we're going to establish the run. That's you know Frank's mo. He's always wanting to establish the ground game and. Now that we got a, a guy, he's kind of a change of pace back, Jonathan Tate. He's not exactly like Marlon Mack. He's not, I don't think he's quite as fast as Marlon Mack. But like I said, he, he was used a little more Wisconsin last year out of the back. I think he had five uh, receiving receiving touchdowns as well as 21 on the ground. So 26 all-purpose touchdowns. You can't, you know, you can't be upset at that in the Big Ten. That's not, not easy to do. I need to ask you because you guys also took Jacob Eason in the draft. Is he right now the quarterback of the future for the Colts, or do you see him maybe developing two, three years out? That's that's kind of a question. I think he is two or three years out. I mean, I think we, you know, we have Rivers as a one-year deal here this year. I think we could possibly give him another one if he if he's good enough. I think he's got to get probably at least to the divisional, if not the AFC Championship game this year. I think Eason's more of a project, uh, you know, two or three, maybe four years down the road, maybe see what we have in them. Um, I, I don't love it. It's hard, it's hard to analyze quarterbacks in the Pac-12, too, as well, because you don't, you don't know. The defenses aren't great there, so you don't, you know, you can see. He was at Georgia for a little bit, too. He's, show, he's shown some skills, but I just, I don't know. We'll have to see on that. I think it's a little too early to determine if he's going to be the future or not. I, I really would have to see it on the field. So let's move over to running back a little bit too. You know, were you surprised that they took Taylor, man? Because uh, we're big fantasy guys here. So we have arguments, conversations, bickering all the time about this whole Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack situation. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, especially to trade up for it was almost like, okay, he's still on the board. We need to go up and get this guy to add to our offense. It was a little bit of a surprising pick. And I did a 
I'm a fantasy guy too. So I did a mock draft the other day, a 12 team snake and they have him going, you know, fourth, fifth round, maybe it's sixth round and Marlon back. I got in the 13th, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think, you know, I would take the lower, I'd take the value on that and wait and get Mac later on than to take a rookie in the fifth or sixth round at running back. That's just not, I mean, that's not my style. Well, and that's my thing. Like Frank Reich takes me as the type of guy that is not going to hand jobs out. You're going to earn every bit of your job. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know why everybody's fading Marlon Mack and I, I'm not handing Jonathan Taylor all the touches from week one. Yeah, no, and he's had the fumbling issue. Like I said, in the NFL, you can't fumble the ball regularly or you're just not going to see the field that often, especially when you do have a guy like Marlon Mack behind him that, you know, knows the offense, who's productive. And he, ha- you know, he hasn't really had the fumbling issue. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. I think it'll be maybe split carries towards the middle of the year. I would, I would expect Marlon Mack to be more of the bell cow the first couple weeks, though. So I just think fifth, sixth round in the fantasy – um, for Jonathan Taylor is a little too high. That's my opinion, but I'm I'm not a huge rookie drafting rookie running backs high ever as it is. So I do have a couple of questions because you do watch college football. So I'm and yeah. so I'll ask two then. I want you to rank the top three running backs in this year's draft class. Or actually, make it four. Uh, we'll include Swift. So rank the top four, and then also, what does the depth chart look like behind Jonathan Taylor? mainly because we're fantasy guys. Who should we buy? Naeem Hines, is Marlon Max still going to play a role in this offense long-term? Give us your thoughts on that. Well, I think Hines is Hines is really kind of a flyer guy. I, I look at Hines a lot like how uh, Dallas utilizes Tony Pollard. You could just kind of throw him in as a gadget guy. You can, you know, he can catch it out of the backfield. He's really fast. He, you know, he can return punts, which, you know, is fine. But I, uh, Hines is a, Hines is a tough one. You would have to be really thin at running back to even take a flyer on him. I don't. I honestly don't think he's draftable for the most part. Depending on how many teams you, I guess you have or whatever. I'm not. I'm not a huge Hines guy. Um, maybe a catch or two, couple carries a game at most. But you. I mean, you'd have to really be thin or injured at running back to throw him in there. Um, as far as ranking the running backs go, I, I am. You mentioned Swift. I am a big DeAndre Swift guy, uh, especially with with on Johnson's health issues that he's had and Detroit now with Matt Stafford and the COVID situation, they might be running the ball a little bit more than what they have in the past. So I, I think Swift actually is a guy that I would take, take a look at earlier than even some of the bigger name running backs that came in this year. And I heard you talking Dobbins earlier. I like Dobbins quite a bit too. Um, Mark Ingram's there, but, you know, the way, the way Baltimore and Lamar Jackson like to uh, open the offense up a little bit, I think that's a guy I'd look at later in the rounds as well. Um, so if you, if you want to throw four names at me, and I, I'll kind of put them in order on how I, how I look at them. Yeah, so we we'll just go with the top four, right? So we have Jonathan Taylor, um, Hilaire, Dobbins, and Swift. Uh, you know what? And let's make it five. Let's throw Murph's guy in there, Cam Akers. Yeah, Cam Akers is an interesting one, yeah, especially now that Gurley's not there. I Well, I think you got to go Allaire first, especially with Damian Williams opting out and the way Kansas City uh, likes to utilize their running. But I would probably have Allaire first, I will say Swift second, then we'll go, then we'll go uh, Jonathan Taylor and then, um, and then your boy after that. So that, that, that would be my top four. No Dobbins? 
It's tough. It's tough. I, I do like Dobbins a lot. Like I said, I, I worry a little bit about um, about Mark Ingram being there, and as much as Lamar likes to run it himself, they got it. You know, there's one football to go around for Marquise Brown and for Mark Andrews, and I think uh, it's another one of those. It's it's hard to it's hard to tell with rookie running backs where where exactly if you haven't seen them in that offense, it's hard to exactly pinpoint you know, what, what it's going to look like or where they're going to be. I do like the potential of Dobbins. I think he's definitely going to be the bell cow um, for years to come for Baltimore. Definitely. So let's talk defense then. You guys decided to get out of the first round and just play it safe and take one of the many already established first rounders from the San Francisco 49ers. You have Buckner now on a defense that is already very scary with both Justin Houston and Darius Leonard. Before addressing the glaring holes that are normally in your secondary, which I feel like is the biggest weakness on this defense, how excited are you with that interior of the defense? That inside box is going to stuff the run and really get after the passer and hopefully cover up some holes with some pressure for that secondary. Well, when I first got that update, I really was shy. I was grocery shopping, and I pulled my phone out, and it was just going nuts. I had six, seven texts. People were calling me, and, like, I couldn't even look at my Twitter updates to see what was going on. I'm like, oh, you see this, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, it's definitely surprising. And then to give him the money we did, a little over $21 million a year, I'm not saying he's not worth it, but it definitely was an eyebrow raiser. Um, I, I like – I think I'm going to like it. Now, Kinlaw was a guy that I think everybody around here looked at as maybe 13th overall, a guy you'd want to select to kind of beef up that middle there. Um, but I, I think it's a win-win for both teams. I really do. I think it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be an adjustment for them, a little bit different type of a defense than what San, – and San Francisco has more better pieces, I believe, around him. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be an adjustment. Now, we get Kamoko Ture coming back off that ankle injury. We call him the Kamoko Dragon. I love him. He's got a lot of potential around here, too. Um, we'll see. The D-line, I do like. Now, you mentioned the secondary being pretty weak, which it is. We get TJ Carey as a starting corner. I don't love that. I really don't. And you got Xavier Rhodes kind of on a prove-it deal as well. And throw Rocky Sin in there as the as the nickelback, and I just uh, you're you're uh, you're not far off talking talking about that. I think that's going to be uh, definitely an adjustment for for our defense. I now, do Darius like Malik Lee. Hooker though. I like Malik Hooker. He's just got to stay healthy. I'm a big Malik Hooker fan. I just yeah, and we did we if he can stay healthy, he's he's been pretty solid for the most part. We did draft a guy late in. Uh, Julian Blackman from Utah, who's who's versatile. He played corner and transitioned to safety. I think they're going to try to probably move him to corner um, early on and then see see how it works out and maybe move him back to safety. But, you know, Kyrie Willis, another year under his belt. We'll see how that works. But the secondary is, is an issue, I think. So we'll see. We're going to give up some yards. But hopefully Phillip Rivers can bring enough offense where we're not going to have to worry about, you know, the secondary having to be – be too tightened up all the time get uh Ben Banigou another year under his belt he's got some promise as a pass rusher Bobby Okariki I really like Anthony Walker is kind of the silent assassin I mean not a lot of people know him on name recognition but he had a ton of tackles I think he had 129 tackles or something last year which is you know surprising he's not great in coverage but I think he uh He's, he's really stepped it up, especially the last probably 10, 12 games that he played in. Now, health is going to be an issue with him as well. But, yeah, the, the defense has some promise. I'm, I'm excited to see what DeForest is going to bring for us. And uh, 
we should be, I don't want to say a top 10 defense, but somewhere maybe 12th, 13th overall, better at stopping the run than stopping the pass. So, you know, solid, I guess, expectations would be, would be what I would say. I'm definitely interested to see uh, how this the schedule prediction is going to go because, I don't know, I get the vibe that you're happy, but you you got a lot of questions about your roster still. So uh, you ready to jump over to our win-loss prediction segment? Let's do it. All right. Week one at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Got to get that one. Um, that's that's going to be a game where I think – Philip lets it go a little bit. I'll say 31-10 Colts. Week two, home versus the Minnesota Vikings. <sighs> That's a tough one. Uh, if Dalvin Cook plays, I say Minnesota wins 24-20. Week three, bye week. Oh, sorry, I'm kidding. You uh, win the bye week. Yeah, week three is actually versus the New York Jets. Uh, they should they should win big. I'm not a big Sam Darnold guy. All right, I'll go. I'll go 28-13 Colts. The Jets are a bye week, just to establish. They are technically a bye week. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're not huge fans of Adam Gase, uh, the genius that once no, was. Well, so. Now, I do like Le'Veon in fantasy this year. I'm playing LaMichael P. Ryan in Dynasty League, so I, I think uh, Bell could possibly be out by the end of the year. So, And I love P. Ryan's size, too. I do like P. I do like P. Ryan. I've never played in the Dynasty league though so I'm, I may try to do one of those this year well I'm in uh 18 of them so if you're ever looking for a leech <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right yeah you know where to come man yeah save a spot for me okay that sounds good I'll do one uh week four at the Chicago Bears oh the Trubisky Bowl um that's it that's got like that's got 16 to 13 written all over it Colts win barely all right week five at the Cleveland Browns. That's an interesting one. Um, I say we win that. Uh, let's go. Let's go a little higher scoring on that one. I'll say 35-31 Colts. Week six at home versus Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Got to get that one. Uh, Colts win. That's a that's a Marlon Mack day right there. Two touchdowns for Mack. Colts win 27-20. All right, week seven is a bye. Then you are week eight in Detroit versus the Lions. Uh, you know, I've went with too many wins, I feel like, so far. We're bound, we're bound to lose one that we probably should win. I bet you this is going to be one of them. Detroit will sneak one out on us. Rivers will have a four-pick game, 20-14 to 14, Detroit. Week nine, home versus the Baltimore Ravens. Ah, oh, big loss. Uh, Baltimore. 30 to 10. Thursday night, primetime game versus the Tennessee Titans at Nissan Stadium. Ooh, kind of like that. Um, that's going to be an overtimer. I'll say we get that one, 27-24 overtime. All right, week 11, home versus the Green Bay Packers. <sighs> well, let me ask you this. Who's going to be the quarterback week 10 for the Green Bay Packers? Think it's going to be Aaron still? Well, we're in week 11, but yeah, I do believe that's Aaron Rodgers. I, as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy, I believe he's the quarterback. I don't believe what LaFleur said about him being the quarterback there long term. I don't think you draft a quarterback like Jordan Love that high 
and expect to sit him for three years. I know that they did it with Rodgers, but let's different, face it. Different, different league nowadays. I Correct. agree with you. Rodgers uh, goes down, never gets his job back. Hot take. That's at Lambeau, you said? Uh, no, that's home, Lucas Oil. Ah, see, now I'm having flashbacks of that comeback when we were down 21-3. The, I think that was a, one of the Chuck Strong games where we Reggie Wayne had a nice catch in the fourth quarter a couple of years back. We came back and won that one. Um, I will say we win that one, but barely. 28-24 Colts. All right. You remain home against the Tennessee Titans in week 12. They'll get us on this second go around. Uh, let's go 23-17, Tennessee. All right. Week 13 at the Houston Texans. The Hopkins-less Texans. Um, I will say we get that one. That, uh, that has potential to be one of Phillip Rivers' better games, I think. We'll say 30-20 uh, to 20 Colts. All right, on the road again in week 14 at the new Las Vegas Raiders. That's kind of a weird one there. Uh, we'll win. Uh, that might be a Michael Pittman showing there. We'll say 27-20 uh, Colts. Week 15, home versus the Houston Texans. I'll go the 2-0 sweep on them this year. Uh, Colts, 22-19. All right. Week 16 at the Pittsburgh Steelers. We never play the Steelers well, ever, whether it's playoffs, regular season. They just seem to have our number for whatever reason. Uh, Steelers, Steelers 27-14. All right. And to close out the year, week 17, home versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Colts 56-3. to No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll say – We'll go 35-14 thir- uh, Colts. So, what does that put it? Maybe 10-6, and six, I would guess. Perfect. I wasn't keeping track. 11-5. and 11-5. Okay. I think that's, that's pretty doable. The over-under is 9.5, I think, on the books. So, I, I remember I did take the over. I threw 20 bucks or something on it. So, I'll stick with it. 11-5 and five sounds good to me. That would be a good season, I think. Well, we got to ask our odds maker. Tino, is that a is that a strong bet there? Well, listen, I like the Colts every year, but I feel like they disappoint me. The problem with the Colts is they have to win the division, or they have to win the divisional games. So now that the Texans have gotten right. worse, that helps. Yeah. It definitely helps. Yeah. I mean, Watson's still there, but it's really a, a two man race at this point. But so I had a sweep over Houston and Jacksonville, and a that'll help Tennessee. So I had a five and one in our in our division. So if we can go five and one, yeah. that will definitely help. You probably could get a bye uh, with that being the case, too, because now you also discount the Patriots getting the bye in the AFC, too, which was normally a lock. So now it's KC, and then you got to have a better record in Baltimore. We're all soaking that up as much as possible, right? Oh, man. I I think uh, the Patriots taking a decline changes the entire spectrum of the AFC just because now the Chiefs are the team to beat permanently and the Ravens are the team to figure out. And then who knows what the South is going to be? Are the Titans going to be good again? Maybe, right. yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sell that stock anytime soon uh, on the Colts. Yeah, I, th- I think Tannehill is one of the big question marks of the year coming in for not just the AFC, but I think the league in general. It's, you know, he got paid a lot of money. Can he put it together a whole nother season? Really didn't do it in Miami, but it is Miami. It's kind of a hellhole. So 
we'll see. I, I agree with you. I think it's Kansas City's for the taking. Baltimore is going to be better. They'll probably push for them, but I don't. I don't see Mahomes. I don't see Mahomes losing. I do think San Fran. It might be a rematch. What do you guys think about that? I think it could easily be a rematch. They add Brandon Ayuk now. They got a couple. Uh, couple running backs they don't have uh matt Breida now but jerick mckinnon has a big year i think that division i think the nfc west is going to be very similar to your division whereas that's gotten a lot better as well the seahawks are just going to continuously oh, okay. make win now moves the 49ers yep. are the 49ers but then there's jimmy g when your quarterback isn't a proven gamer and then you have russell wilson in your division it's hard for me to just write off the fact that Jimmy G is going to be in the Super Bowl again because it took them till week 17 to win the division to begin with last year. And that changed a lot of it, uh, at least the landscape for the playoffs. I know a lot of people jump on Arizona being a sleeper team, and I hate jumping on what everybody else is saying as far as the sleepers go, but I do think Arizona is going to be somebody you're going to have to watch out for, especially adding Hopkins now. Uh, Kenyon, Kenyon Drake is a guy. What do you guys think about Kenyon Drake in fantasy this year? I like it, man. I mean, they made him that back for a reason. They literally went out of their way and brought him in and extended him. Oh, wait, I did agree. they? They no. tagged him. But they tagged him, yeah. yeah he's they're going to extend he's got him. Tag on him. So, in Dynasty Leagues, I would like Kenyon Drake, if he had that extended agreement, I'd buy him a lot higher than I am right now. The fact that he's only working on a one-year deal, I like him a lot higher in redraft leagues than I do Dynasty. Yeah, that's that's that sounds that sounds good to me, too. I, Arizona, I'm telling you. NFC West, like you said, that's going to be a bloodbath. That might be the best division in football this year. Dude, the, the Rams were in the Super Bowl a few years ago, too. And so it's I very know. funny, too. And then you talk yes. about the tying success. The Jaguars were that successful team in your division just before that, making the AFC Championship. It fluctuates like crazy. So it's very hard to buy in on some of these teams because doing it every year is nowhere near as easy as it sounds. It, oh. It's not. Well, Murph says this all the time. When you have a window, you can't outspend what that window's going to be. And that's exactly what the Rams did. They outspent their opportunity. And that's it. Yeah, they're gone now. And then they also traded two firsts for Jalen Ramsey. And then they paid him. That was a bad trade, I think. And I Belichick mean, broke fucking McVay literally in half in the Super Bowl. And he hasn't recovered since. Hasn't recovered. And I'm not a big Jared Goff guy. I mean, I get it. But I... Things could have been so different. If Philadelphia would have had Jared Goff and the Rams would have had Carson Wentz, maybe the Rams win that Super Bowl. Who knows? Like you guys mentioned Cam Akers too. You guys, you like his stock better than Daryl Henderson's? Uh, for redraft or dynasty? For a redraft. I like the Cam Akers volume. Um, for redraft, I'm not taking him anytime, anywhere close to the top. But uh, right. I think the volume's there. The only thing that I uh, – possibly might think about is Malcolm Brown's vulture man he gets the goal line carries yeah I don't know it he even got him with with Gurley sometimes with Gurley's knee banged up so I don't know they got to find an identity there I guess now so yeah you're right acres might be a little bit until he gets going that's why me and Mage talk about this all the time like we don't we don't love the landing spots with this draft class all right, so that's going to wrap up our preview of the Indianapolis Colts. Chris, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you again, buddy? Yeah, once again, everybody, it's uh, CSweer90 on Twitter. That's C-S is in Sam, C-S oh, – I'm sorry, I screwed that up. C-S-C-H-W-I-E-R 90, or 
you can search by name and see two. I'm sure I'm the only C2 on there. Um, I don't know if I'm impressed or terrified that you didn't know how to spell your own name, but it's difficult. <laughs> Once, with, with the C in front of it, it's like, oh, it's already German and kind of weird to pronounce as it is. But yeah, I, know, I, I mean, first letter, it it's only been weird. your name for how long? So, I mean, I know. it's tough. I get it. Colts yeah. fan Chris, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us today. I really appreciate it. So, that's going to wrap up this episode of Our Dog Days of Summer. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Peace and love, everyone.